You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Greek's Gridiron. I am Ethan Haristadoulou, and it's time once again to recap the week of football and rank all 32 teams in the NFL from worst to first. I'm recording this right after Monday Night Football, but you guys should be getting this bright and early Tuesday morning. I've got to say, Monday Night Football did not disappoint, and I don't think that's something we say too often around here. I feel like we've gotten a lot of duds during primetime football, but I've got to give it to the Broncos. They brought the fight in Buffalo with the Bills, and they came away with a massive victory. We'll dive into all that. We'll talk about all the games here, but make sure you comment your power rankings down below. Let me hear your thoughts on my rankings. Where would you put some teams if you disagree with my thoughts? But beginning with the bottom four teams here in the NFL, coming in at number 32, a brand new team, we have the lowly New York Giants, who are on the fast track in the race to try and find themselves in contention for a number one overall draft pick right now and number 31 we're looking at the carolina panthers coming off of a loss but staying put where they are a tight loss that ended up coming short by just a hair with that missed field goal at the end of the game against the bears we have the Patriots dropping down another spot here, falling to number 30 with their loss to the Colts in Frankfurt, Germany. And we have the Arizona Cardinals finally getting themselves out of the basement with a big victory over the Falcons this past weekend as well. So the Giants all the way down to the bottom. I think at this point here, without Daniel Jones and no Tyrod Taylor as well, this is the worst team in the NFL. This is the second time now where they have just been absolutely mollywopped by the Cowboys and at this point, you've got to be hoping that the season's end just comes sooner rather than later for the New York Giants. And I think this is a really good time for them now to really just start looking towards next season. Start playing some of your younger guys. Some, give those rookies more snap more snap counts each and every single game. You know, just let's start looking towards the future and seeing what we have with the guys that are still healthy as this team continues to fall apart to injury as well. And just kind of let's just take a look towards the future. That's kind of the way I see things right now. The Panthers at 31. Again, coming up just shy against the Chicago Bears and what was about a, as big of a dud as I was expecting it to be on Thursday night football there. Like I said, missed field goal at the end of the game. A little bit of a heartbreaker to potentially tie it up and take the game into overtime, but unfortunately, the Panthers are where they are and they don't even have a first round selection to show for it, which hurts big time. The Patriots at number 30. I don't really know what else you can really say. We saw Mac Jones get benched again this season, and I think this one might be the permanent benching that some Patriots fans have been clamoring for for some time now. The offense in New England has just been an absolute mess to this point in the season, and going overseas did not help the situation. And I feel like that's something that's kind of been a theme now, at least this season, as far as the overseas games have gone. We've seen offenses underperform for the bulk majority of the games, and this game was a massive, massive example of that. With the Patriots, who have already been struggling to put up points, mustering up only six in their loss to the Colts, who actually had only 10 points themselves. It was a uh, defensive affair, I guess you could say, but it was more like two offenses just kind of stuck in park and maybe accidentally slipping in the neutral here or there. But the Patriots did not good, look good in their loss. And going into the bye week, you at least have to, some time to sit on things. I don't think we see Bill Belichick get fired during the middle of the season, but... 
I do think that his time might be coming to an end towards the end of the season, maybe once the season officially wraps up and we get in a amicable parting of ways between both sides, being him and Robert Kraft. And then at number 29, the Arizona Cardinals led on the comeback legs of Kyler Murray, reminding everyone just how much of an elusive nightmare he can be if you give him time in the pocket and if you don't bring him down when you first bring that initial rush. I've got to say I was a little uncertain as to how this team was going to look with Kyler Murray in the fold here just because rust was a concern in my opinion but while he might not have necessarily lit up the boards in terms of numbers through the air with his arm his legs certainly looked good and that is a key factor in his game his ability to extend plays make plays with his legs and do it all while still being accurate on the throw he definitely had a few plays here or there that felt like hiccups but to go in against a Falcons defense who has held their own at points during the season although I feel like as we're starting to approach the later point in the season is starting to kind of lose some of that swagger and is starting to let teams just kind of finish them off it was a excellent comeback victory for Kyler Murray and an Arizona Cardinals team that could not buy a victory since their very shocking win over the Cowboys far, far earlier in the season. Moving into the next four teams at number 28, we have the Chicago Bears staying put at 28, the Los Angeles Rams staying at number 27. We have the Green Bay Packers at number 26, and then we have the Tennessee Titans sitting at number 25. So the Bears at number 28, like I said, very tight marginal victory over the Panthers. Unfortunately for the Panthers, they miss a field goal. That game could have gone to overtime, and it could have been anyone's game there. So you're not moving for the win. You're not going down for potentially choking away the game there at the end. We'll just keep you right where you belong at number 28 not the worst of the entire nfl but you are pretty darn close at 27 the rams did not play this week nothing really went on around them that i felt warranted them going up or down so they stay at 27 the packers i've got to give them credit i put them down a spot because again they did loss and they're having a really hard time finding victories right now but i do have to say very impressed with the fight they brought to the pittsburgh steelers in pittsburgh on top of that for them to be able to come in and lose a very tight contest the way they did i've got to give them some credit their defense came up and gave the pittsburgh steelers some problems but ultimately the offensive issues just kind of continue and i've hammered it home a hundred times now youth and inexperience is the achilles heel of this team right now on the offensive side of the football because they have a really good defense that's been able to hold their own despite missing guys like jair alexander but until they can kind of put it all together and that's the young guys that is on the offensive side of the ball this will be a team that's just kind of trudging their way to the finish line this season maybe hovering close to 500 or just under sub 500 and then the Titans at number 25 making a kind of a Hail Mary switch to Will Levis a few weeks ago his debut game was phenomenal and then since then they've been kind of a dud and this past week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that itself has had some solid games here or there with a few games that kind of left you wondering where that defense went that looked really good prior to that they just really could not buy themselves much against that Tampa Bay unit here and at this point you know you have to wonder should they have considered selling at the trade deadline I know they wanted to still it's 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 hard I wish the trade deadline was a little bit later in the year because I feel like midway point in such a long especially week eight now that we're going through what is it 18 weeks of, of football now because there's 17 games 
they need to push the deadline back to like week 10 or week 11 where teams actually know all right we can kind of tap out let's try to gain some assets with some of the players we have that we're not going to keep around and we could potentially move and it, it stinks because now you're looking at a team that just kind of feels like they're gonna you know if into a tailspin kind of find their way to the bottom of the afc and in the nfl altogether derrick henry's kind of wasting away the rest of the season when I would have been really interested in seeing him going to a playoff contender. DeAndre Hopkins is the same sort of thing. It's just kind of unfortunate. And now I'm starting to hear rumblings of, you know, is there a potential that Mike Vrabel's job security is up in the air? I don't really know about that, but it's just very unfortunate to see where Tennessee is right now. And I really wish they could have gotten the most out of this roster a couple of weeks ago at the trade deadline and maybe move some pieces so they could try to focus on getting younger and finding some newer talent to work towards in the future with Will Levis. If he is that guy for them. Moving into the next four, at number 24, we're looking at the Atlanta Falcons falling a couple of spots here. At number 23, we have the Washington Commanders. At 22, the New York Jets. And jumping up three spots with their big victory on Monday Night Football, the Denver Broncos, who are on a three-game winning streak, mind you. Now, the Atlanta Falcons falling a couple of spots here, losing to the Arizona Cardinals. I know you went into Arizona in the desert there. It was a big deal for them because of the comeback game for Kyler Murray. But honestly, it's a game that I really think the Falcons should have one but what can you do when you lose Taylor Heineke and you're banking on Desmond Ritter to win you the game it's not necessarily something that you can count on bringing you to a victory but even when Tyler Heineke was in there were still some issues here or there it was nice to see Bijan Robinson get a lot more involved I feel like the memes of Jonu Smith getting all the attention Bijan Robinson not getting enough attention kind of quieted a little bit Bijan Robinson saw a very healthy workload in this game here and I was happy to see it and I'm not somebody who cares much about fantasy but I know you fan Fantasy people were loving it as well. But again, this is a game that I really think that, you know, you're going up a lesser opponent, going up against a lesser opponent with a quarterback that I understand is elusive. Like I said, it's it's the name of Kyler Murray's game, and he showed everyone why he is a dangerous guy when he has time in the pocket. But I just really disappointed in the Falcons. I cannot hammer that point home enough. A defense that's been really good, that's been failed by an offense that's littered with talent that at this point, you kind of have to start looking at Arthur Smith and his coaching staff on the offensive side of things. And you just kind of have to wonder what the heck is going on over there, whether it's their inability to make things work with Taylor Heineke, who has, has shown abilities to make offenses be somewhat functional to, you know, the abject failure that you had with the offense early in the season while Desmond Ritter was under center. And I don't really even, even know if I blame Desmond Ritter that much I'm starting to kind of blame the scheme that they're running there in Atlanta and it almost feels like they have all this talent but they literally do not know what to do with all this talent and it's awful because again the defense I think in Atlanta is a pretty solid group but it's being wasted away by an offense that is just sometimes stuck in neutral Commanders at number 23, falling four more spots here with another tight loss, this time to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this is more of a correction than anything else, I would say. I don't think that they're moving four spots, more so because they lost a tight one to a Seattle Seahawks team that some people consider a playoff contender, or a lot of people do for that matter. But this is more so just me, again, continuing to kind of correct them as they continue to lose. And on top of that, they, they, they kind of show that they were not necessarily in the market for winning this season with some of the moves they made at the trade deadline. 
line. I know they did just beat the Patriots last week, but at this point, I feel like we're kind of starting to see the commanders for what they are right now. And that is a team that while they do have some ability to make plays, you have guys like Jahan Dotson, who one week is exploding for, you know, numbers. And then another week, he's just a complete dud. And you see sometimes their struggles to get Terry McLaurin involved. I will say though, Brian Robinson, he is an excellent piece for this offense to build around. And I, I love his story with the whole situation with him getting shot in the leg and coming back and doing his thing. Very happy to see that he's finding success over there. But this is a team that you're starting to just kind of look towards next season with at this point. And it, their defense, for what it's worth, has just kind of, it, they just let people move, let people move, let people move. And you kind of saw that with Seattle and ultimately it cost them the game at the end there. But a team that could be competitive when like everything falls their way offensively, but with the offensive line being as poor as it's been all season and a defense that again, lets offenses move all season long or all game long. This will be a team that come season's end probably right around here would not surprise me because I probably expect them to win a couple more, you know, two, three more games this season, but also lose like another two, 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 three, four more games this season. So this is a really good spot for them in my opinion. The Jets at 22, they're dropping four spots in a game that I honestly think they probably should have won, but unfortunately, the offense is what the offense is. A tattered offensive line with Zach Wilson at quarterback, and I know Robert Sala just went all in on Zach Wilson yesterday, and he's, you know, he says that he's playing pretty good and yada, 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 and listen, I don't want to sit here and put all of the offensive issues on Zach Wilson because I feel like that's kind of taking the easy way out, but he is a part of the problem among other things going on over there. And I mean, I guess you could sit there and ask, well, what else do we have at quarterback anyways? But I mean, like there's gotta be something like there has got to be something. The jets defense is too good to be wasted away the way it is. And I know this is supposed to be Aaron Rodgers' year. And he's saying mid December is his comeback window that he's shooting for. I don't know how likely that is, but if the team is not in a winning position or a potential winning position where they can't fight for at least like 500 in a playoff spot, there's almost no point in Aaron Rodgers trying to come back and make some point to everyone about how quickly he healed from his Achilles. I just, I hate the Jets the way they are right now because I love the defense over there and I like Robert Sala and I just, I, the offense is so frustrating. It's so, so frustrating. The Denver Broncos at 21, three winning, three game winning streak right now. They have battled their way up the power rankings. I believe at one point they were as low as number 30, 31. I might even have them at 32 at one point. They have worked their way back up to about a third of the way through the rankings to number 21 now, finding themselves now in somewhat of a conversation about the playoffs. Listen, Russell Wilson has been good all season long. He has not been an issue there. Offensively, they have had some woes, whether it's just miscommunications with the receivers or just some issues here or there in the offensive line. And I know we've talked at length about the defense now, but the defense in the last few weeks, especially in this game against Buffalo and last week or the two weeks ago when they played the Chiefs, has really started to come to life, forcing turnovers. And I will, you know, make sure that I mention that Buffalo kind of gave them a lot of their turnovers in that game. I don't want to sit here and say, don't give them, I don't want to give them any credit for it, but Buffalo felt like they were doing everything in their power to not win this game this past uh, Monday night. But I will say that we're seeing a team that feels like they're finally starting to figure it out and they're starting to buy in and getting two wins over the Chiefs in the Bills, two Super Bowl favorites coming into this season. 
builds confidence in what you're doing over there. And confidence is key when it comes to getting an entire team to buy into football. If players are confident in what you're doing, they will start to buy in. And we're starting to see that now. Even Russell Wilson, who, again, he has not been the problem for this team at all this season. I think he has been one of the few solutions to this team this season. He's even starting to look more comfortable and really start to buy into what's going on around him. Just keep an eye on this Broncos team. Don't be too surprised if things start to change around this back half of the season because they're trending right now. Three straight wins in the right direction. Now moving into the next four teams at number 20, moving up six spots here. The Las Vegas Raiders at number 20, the Buccaneers at number 19, the New Orleans Saints at number 18, and then the Los Angeles Chargers at number 17, tumbling a couple spots there, a little tight loss to the Detroit Lions. Now, the Raiders plus six back-to-back victories now under a new head coach something is a brewing over there in las vegas i for a long time was vehemently against josh mcdaniels leading this raiders team and i know there are raiders fans out there that felt the same this team is a different unit with josh mcdaniels gone don't sleep on them i slept on them i picked the jets over them this week And I ate my words for it. Do not sleep on what they're doing over there in Las Vegas right now, because this feels like a team that is all in on what they're doing. Their head, their new head coach, who apparently has the opportunity to win this head coaching job. This is something that I think the Raiders kind of failed at with the whole Rich Bisaccia situation. If they can right that wrong and continue to win out the way they are, this is a Raiders team that does have talent on paper They've just not nearly lived up to it to this point. Just keep an eye on them. It might be a little ugly with a rookie quarterback under center right now, but as things start to progress and people start to get more comfortable, like we were just talking about with the Denver Broncos, think about it. You're kind of getting a bit of a regime switch here midway through the season. Obviously not too much changes with the offense, but there will be some philosophical differences, at least for now until the offseason where you can really install a new offense. Don't sleep on the Raiders, another team on the rise. Coming in at number 19, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are on the same page with Baker Mayfield and your running game at least has some sort of a pulse, this is a team to keep an eye on. They're not a team that's going to drop 30 to 35 points in a game. That's just not what they're doing right now offensively. But they have a great defense, great nucleus of guys on that side of the football that can dominate, especially lesser opponents, weaker offensive lines. And it really just matters. It really just comes down to the Buccaneers' ability to get their receivers and quarterback on the same page. I have seen way too many drops, especially between Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans for as good as they have been together this season. There are like routine plays where you just see them kind of missing things, whether it's a Mike Evans drop or a Baker Mayfield slight overthrow, something like that. If they could just connect more consistently, this is a team that has the making to fight in a division that is very much up in the air right now. Another one of those teams that I'm not 100% sure what to make of them because they're coming off of a massive losing streak, but you come in against a Titans team that's down, you know, kind of down in the dumps right now. You kick them in the mouth. You show them that, you know, their rookie quarterback might not be all that in a bag of chips, and you get yourself a nice victory, and you put yourself right back in that conversation for the NFC South lead. And then right above them, those division rival New Orleans Saints. Uh, I don't really know what to say about the offense over there because, and even the defense as well, but because the defense is supposed to be really good. And it, it, 
I don't know if it's just Josh Dobbs and the Josh Dobbs effect. And if that's a real thing, someone's got to study at some point. Hell, maybe it's going to be him in 20 years down the road when he finally retires after making, you know, three Super Bowls and maybe winning a couple with the Vikings. I don't know. But listen, this Saints team offensively has got to figure it out. It was a flat offense for three quarters and and it's we've seen it too many times. Jameis Winston comes in and he just seems kind of like a effort. Someone's got to be out there type of guy. And I love it. I love Jameis Winston. I think the guy is hilarious. But for him to come in and be able to just kind of effort, someone must be out there. And he nailed a couple of touchdowns to make that game close. I understand the investment in Derek Carr and now he's hurt. So there, there's that on top of it as well. And he's dealt with his fair share of injuries in his career. You've got to be questioning yourself over there in New Orleans with the decision to roll with Derek Carr. And listen, I'm not sitting here hammering the tables or pounding the table saying that, you know, Jameis Winston's the guy he needs to have his opportunity because he's had opportunities and it hasn't worked out. But you have got to be considering at least something else, especially with the injury. Now, the shoulder thing is apparently continuing to be a problem. He hurt the shoulder. Derek Carr, that is, hurt the shoulder earlier in the season. And now we're hearing more about the shoulder again, plus the concussion protocol thing. So at this point, we need to start considering some other options here. And I hate that for the Saints because I really thought that, you know, if you dropped Derek Carr in New Orleans, gave him an offseason, that maybe you get some really good results with a really good talent of young guys as at receiver. And on top of that, you have Alvin Kamara, Mike Thomas, pretty good offensive line, a great defense built behind you. And for them to be where they are right now is kind of downright unacceptable. And then at number 17, another downright unacceptable team, Fire Brandon Staley. Fire Brandon Staley. That is all I've got to say. Justin Herbert and the rest of that Chargers team will be better off without him. That defense has way too much talent to be where they are right now. Fire Brandon Staley. Moving into the top half of the NFL at number 16, moving up four spots here, more so because a couple of teams were dropping here, so the Colts kind of benefited from this one here. It's not like their win by any means was super impressive in Frankfurt, Germany, but they do move up four spots to number 16 in the top half of the NFL. Dropping seven spots here, the Buffalo Bills with their disastrous loss to the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football. The Seahawks, despite their win, I'm dropping them a couple of spots here because it was not the showing I would have expected them to have against a commander's team as I talked about, feels like they're kind of trending in the opposite direction of positive right now. And then we have the Vikings moving up another spot with a big victory. Two wins in a row now with Josh Dobbs under center. So listen, the Colts, I'm a Colts fan. I have a Peyton Manning jersey sitting right behind me. If I move a little bit, you might be able to see Peyton Manning. Here's the deal. I want this team to keep losing. But for whatever reason, they're competitive and they refuse to lose. And I've got to give them credit for that. I was all in on the, you know what? We lost Anthony Richardson, wash the year, ride it out. Don't rush Jonathan Taylor back, pay him, but don't rush him back. And, you know, we'll just, hopefully we're picking in the top five. Maybe somehow we could snag Marvin Harrison Jr. And we could call it a career with him and Anthony Richardson playing together. However, that's not the case. They are finding ways to win. They are apparently in the playoff race, very much so, and that was not something I would have expected to say a few weeks ago, especially when we first learned that Anthony Richardson was gone. But 
here they are. I've got to give credit to Shane Steichen and that offense over there. Defense did a really good job as well. Uh, offensively, as far as Frankfurt goes, that was not the best performance, but I'm not really going to hold it against them too, too much because their offense this entire season has been really impressive, minus Anthony Richardson or even when he was in the fold as well. But, I mean, everyone has kind of struggled offensively in Frankfurt, so I'm really not going to hold it against them. Like, I don't even really hold it that much against the Patriots as well. They just looked... They looked normal. It was pretty much normal for them. So uh, going overseas clearly affects offenses a lot. Uh, maybe not so much the defenses. I don't really know what the cause is to that, but I don't really hold that against them too much. But a good win for them. They move up a handful of spots. Excited to see where they keep going here. Not going to keep my hopes up. Like I said, I was kind of okay with the season being a dud, but here we are. Number 16 for the Colts. The Bills. Discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline is the reason they are where they are right now, whether it's the turnovers, uh, untimely penalties, for whatever reason, somehow I understand it was kind of crunch time with that field goal situation, but somebody needs to be making sure that you don't have 12 men on the field when your opponent is kicking a game-winning field goal and missing. That, that right there at the end of that game... I feel like has defined like it basically defined this season for the bills to this point in a nutshell, you have the win and something, a stupid mistake, a stupid mistake costs you another potential victory against a team that, yeah, they're riding a three game winning streak, but a lot of people did not expect to even really be competitive with you and really had no business being competitive with you, but they come in, they punch you in the mouth in your own home and now we're talking about the Bills on the outside looking in at a playoff race. And that is not something I expected to be talking about come November of this year when we started at the beginning of the season. Discipline is the biggest issue over there in Buffalo right now. And that starts from the top down. That is something that has got to be worked on. I, I'm not going to sit here and just blame Josh Allen. I know he made a couple of big mistakes, but it was not just Josh Allen. His mistakes obviously amplified the issues, but there is a lot to look at as far as the Bills are concerned. Seahawks at number 14. Like I said, I'm not really going to sit here and like harp on them or anything like that. They did win this week. Uh, I just not the dominant fat, not dominant fashion. I don't want to say that, but for them to be going up against the league's worst offensive line in terms of pass protection, I would have expected just a little bit more of a dominating type of day for them. And like I said, the commanders are kind of in a spot right now where they sold at the deadline and they're not necessarily competing like you would for any of the top 10 to 12 teams in the NFL right now for a Super Bowl or anything like that. I just would have expected a more convincing victory out of the Seattle Seahawks in this game. But they do still win. They drop a couple of spots here, and mainly because I had to move some teams around above them too. So, like, again, don't take this too personally, Seattle. I just would have liked to see a more convincing win against the Commanders in that matchup. Moving into number 12 now. Cincinnati Bengals falling six spots here. Big correction for them after I jumped on the bandwagon. They go and cough up a potential win over the Houston Texans, who are sitting right above them at number 11, jumping up five spots. The Browns moving into number 10 here. Plus three for them. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers at number nine. Plus one for them. The Bengals. Tyler Boyd catches that. Game's over. Uh, I Well, you know, not necessarily, but... Tyler Boyd catches that and you're not losing via a field goal. So there is that to think about unfortunate situation there at the end for the Bengals. Uh, really rough start early on mistakes early, really hurt them. 
Texans, as I've said all year, are a team that are they're like the thorn in your side that will not go away. You will not just walk all over them. They are a problem for teams that sleep on them. And I think the Bengals might have got caught sleeping a little bit into this matchup here, especially, you know, you're at home. You're feeling good. You're kind of on this hot streak right now. But here come the Houston Texans with a rookie phenom quarterback in CJ Stroud, who in back to back weeks now just absolutely reached in and ripped the soul out of their opponents. So tough loss for the Bengals. You go back down the board pretty much to where you were a couple of weeks ago before I bumped you up for your big victory. Tough weekend for the Bengals. Sorry, Bengals fans. I was all in on it, but that was not a great showing for like, I would say two quarters of that game before things started to get hot in the second half. Texans plus five. What more can I say that hasn't already been said? I firmly am in the camp that you need to be considering CJ Stroud for MVP right now. All the top quarterbacks have had games or stretches that have maybe not necessarily been the most impressive, but if there's one person that we have been talking about week in and week out who has been impressive again and again and again and again and again, it is CJ Stroud. He needs to be in the MVP conversation. Forget rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, whatever it is they give for the rookies. I'm talking MVP conversation for CJ Stroud right now. I think he is firmly in that conversation. I'm not going to sit here and say he should be winning the award, but he is definitely a he's the probably biggest reason for why the team is where they are right now, sitting at number 11 in my power rankings, fighting for a playoff spot. And with the Jaguars losing this week as well, have found themselves in a potential spot where they could maybe even usurp and steal the division from the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a team to not sleep on anymore. D'Amico Ryans has that whole team confident in what they're trying to do they have all bought in cj stroud has emerged as a legit leader and at this point was the best quarterback in this draft class hats off to him forget being a poor test taker i suck at tests myself so i hear you cj stroud but you know how to ball i give you some respect for that browns at number 10 deshaun watson played a great half following a little shaky exit with the injury potential kind of thing going on. And now there's an ankle issue that we're watching with him. Uh, I've got to give him credit, though, in that back half of the game. Down 31 to 17 to be able to storm back. Great play by the defense. Obviously, pick six was a big part of that, the tipped interception and all. But I did not expect the Browns to come in offensively and drop 33 on the Ravens winning last second the way they did. I know that the defense over there in Cleveland has kind of come back down to earth a little bit. They're still a fantastic unit, though. And for them to come in and answer, especially in the second half, the way they did against the Ravens, kind of shutting things down, very impressive stuff altogether. I don't, if I'm being completely upfront and honest with everyone on this one here, I really don't know how to feel about the Browns because offensively, I'm not super high on Deshaun Watson. And like you're making things work on the ground with a phenomenal offensive line, but your running backs are like Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford, who have proved to be a solid duo in the absence of Nick Chubb. You do have some great wide receiver upside. Amari Cooper is obviously there as well. David Njoku, when he's not dropping random catches for no reason, uh, is an excellent tight end for them. But I just like, for whatever reason, I still don't buy in on them. And maybe that's just me having grown up in the era of the Browns will be the Browns. And, you know, I did see that one season where they made the playoffs and pushed the Chiefs to the absolute limit. Uh, but maybe that's just the feeling. But I still have them at number 10. 
I don't know why I feel the way I do about the Browns. Uh, I'm not biased towards them in any way. Uh, I, you know, like I, there's nothing really keeping me from truly going all in on them, but they are where they are right now, record wise and fighting for a legitimate spot in the playoffs this year. I have them at number 10 respect to them for what they're doing here. Uh, and I don't think anyone really expected them to go into Baltimore and just completely steal a victory from the Ravens, who a lot of people just last week were yelling at me for not having them as the number one team in the NFL. And then at number nine, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that just continues to find ways to win. I feel the exact same way I do about the Browns with the Steelers. Not really sure I firmly believe this, but when I look at the people behind them and what they've done this year, that Steelers defense is gosh darn good. And the offense, it's painstaking to watch at times. It's a little bit of a drama show as well, but... They're finding ways to win, whether it's lesser opponents, whether it's opponents that maybe you didn't expect them to beat. The Steelers are in the race. They're six and three. And I don't really think that with how good that defense has looked right now and TJ Watt being a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate right now, how he could even arguably be an MVP contender that isn't a quarterback. Uh, how can I how can I put the Steelers any lower right now? I don't know. You ask, you tell me, I I. I'm here for it. Steelers are getting it done despite the odds and the offense not being great. And what is supposed to be an offensive heavy NFL right now, there are some defenses that are absolutely just like dragging their offenses, kicking and screaming to potential playoff berths right now this season. Moving into the top eight of the NFL, though, at number eight, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars tumbling down five spots, getting humbled this week by the San Francisco 49ers. The Dolphins having a successful bye week going up two spots because of teams moving around them. The 49ers moving up five spots with their big comeback off the bye victory over those Jaguars I just mentioned. And the Ravens tumbling three spots for their upset loss to the Cleveland Browns. So the Jaguars... I don't really think I have to say too much. That was downright pitiful. I expected a really good game, and I got absolute crap. That was not a good game at all by the Jaguars. And this is now the second time that something like that has kind of happened to them. I feel like, at least offensively, that is. Uh, this was a really, really bad game defensively. But I think back to like what the Chiefs did to them offensively way earlier in the season. So it's kind of like the second time we've seen that now. And, I, you know... I, I picked the Jaguars to win. I wasn't necessarily sold on that pick, but I thought in Jacksonville, you know, maybe the Jaguars trending in the right direction the way they were. This was their chance to kind of catch a San Francisco 49ers team that's riding a really bad losing streak. And I know that they were getting healthy coming off the bye, but that was just a pitiful performance. So you drop significantly from three to number eight. The Dolphins, like I said, great bye week. You move up a couple of spots thanks to some teams moving around you. Hats off to the Dolphins. Successful bye for you. 49ers, when healthy, this is where they belong. I would say no less than top six. Um, it's just a matter of if they can stay healthy. They need Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle and Trent Williams to make things go in that offense. They need all those guys to be healthier at most be missing like one. If that's the case, clearly without them, the depth behind them is not necessarily as deep as you maybe want it to be, or I'd hoped it would be, but Brock Purdy is human, but this defense in San Fran is phenomenal addition of chase young i'm sure late in the season that is going to pay off dividends for them but that defense looked ferocious and just completely dismantled the jaguars from start to finish in that matchup and with debo samuel back in the fold offense looked a lot better 
Brock Purdy looked a lot more confident in what was going on. That was the 49ers that we had kind of come to know and love prior to all those injuries. And then the Ravens dropping three spots here. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and rub this into any of the Ravens fans' faces because I don't like doing that. But I did get yelled at a lot for not having them number one last week. I have my reasons for things. Whether you agree with them or not is fine. I still think they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Really tough loss. And honestly, they kind of gave the game away to the Cleveland Browns. It's a game that they really should not have lost. They really should not have lost that game because there was a point where you really, you basically put the Browns in a stranglehold and somehow you let them out and they put you into one and stole the victory from you. But listen, they're still a great team offensively you're going up against a really good defense and you put up some points and it was just like that one mistake you make that one mistake the especially the second half of the game too like your offense just kind of grinding to a screeching halt which at some point like i guess is going to happen against the browns but that was kind of my biggest issue with that game was you, you really slowed down in the second half the tipped pick was awful obviously going back for six and it you can't especially when the Browns missed that PAT late in the game. You've got to come away and finish that game right there. You can't give them the ball back. Like, I know it's a gut punch that they missed the PAT, and you think oh, that's got to hurt the momentum that the Browns were kind of building late in the game right there, but you can't you can't not kill the rest of the game at that point. Like you get the ball back right there and you're supposed to, you're supposed to just, that's the end of the game. Like you got to put it away. Simply put a great team, a Super Bowl contending team puts the game away right there. And I'm not saying the Ravens aren't, but that was not the type of loss that you should be taking in that scenario right there. That's a game where the, the opponent basically gave it to you. They gave it to you. They, they screw up at the end, missed the PAT. They gave you the win and you didn't put the game away. So tough loss, still one of the best teams in the NFL though. And then moving into the top four, the last four teams, the fun ones, the ones that everyone are here for. At number four, we have the Dallas Cowboys. Monster victory over those hapless New York Giants sitting all the way on the other side of the leaderboard. Lions at number three, Chiefs at number two, and the Philadelphia Eagles still sitting on their throne with only one loss at the top of the NFL where I've had them for the last few weeks now. And honestly, I feel like it was a mistake that I ever took them out of the number one spot when I did for a little bit, a few weeks back, but I think it was like two weeks. Maybe they weren't at the top. What can you say about the Cowboys? They had the exact game that everyone anticipated. I'm pretty sure the spread was like minus 17 going into the matchup. Hell, it might even have been higher, but when I last looked, it was minus 17 and I was like, maybe that number's a little high. Obviously it was not. You have now owned the Giants by a total of 89 to 17 this season. Absolute shellacking of your division rivals. Hats off to them. Lions at number three. That was a game that where your defense is kind of falling on its face a little bit against what is a high-powered offense when things are clicking. You want your offense to be able to put that game away and get you the victory. And that was a, kind of a statement win there. I know the cha- the Chargers are in this really weird spot right now where, you know, they're not winning games the way they should be. And, you know, you can say what you want about Brandon Staley and my feelings on him and how he needs to be fired so that Justin Herbert's career doesn't get wasted over there in Los Angeles. But we're talking the Lions here. Um, I, it, this was a game that I expected to be high scoring. Honestly, it kind of went as as I thought. Even my score prediction for this one was, I believe, 34 to 31 or something like that when I picked that game Lions, and it just wound up being a little bit more high scoring. That was what I wanted to see from them because they lost a very similar game like that to the Seattle Seahawks in overtime earlier in the season. So for them to kind of be able to like right that wrong in that loss from earlier in the season against the Seahawks, 
fantastic game by them. Obviously, defensively, not the best, but great game offensively. <clears throat> that rushing attack with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery is going to be a problem. And offensive line continues to be an absolute unit in Detroit. Chiefs at number two. They didn't play this week. Hats off to you. Successful bye week. Teams above you lost. You move up a couple of spots. Eagles, congrats. Successful bye week. You're still the best team in the NFL. That's the end of the power rankings. Let me know your thoughts in the comment section down below. I would love to hear what your power rankings are. Maybe a sorry or two from all the Ravens fans that yelled at me and told me I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to football. Maybe not. But that is it for me. I appreciate you all from watching. I will see you all next time. Have a good one.